You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. We're going to be talking about following Jesus today. And to get there, I'm going to start with a true story from about 150 years ago. About 150 years ago, uh, there was a, uh, a group of Baptist missionaries, and they went to India. They went to a place called Assam, India, uh, kind of a, a distant, off, off the mainland India. We'll, sh- we'll go ahead and put that map up. If you take a look way up to the right, there's a kind of a purple uh, right, top right, top right, Assam. Do you see it? Is that purple? Lavender? We'll say lavender, okay? So as you, you can see, it, it's, it's off of the mainland uh, of India. So it's kind of a, a remote place. Well, in remote places, a lot of times, there are people who don't know Jesus. You haven't even heard of Jesus. And that was the case. So there was a very hostile native people on, uh, on this place called Assam, India, called the Garo, G-A-R-O, Garo. And the Garos did not know about Jesus. They didn't know Jesus, even more importantly. Here's a picture of what a a, a current Garo native would look like. So it probably hasn't changed a lot in 150 years. But these native Garo people of Assam, India, they didn't know about Jesus. And like I said, even more importantly, they didn't know Jesus. But that was about to change. It's quite a story. The Garo natives were resistant at first to this good news of the gospel and and to follow Jesus. But eventually, one of the missionaries convinced one of the men of the tribe to follow Jesus. And then his family believed in Jesus. And pretty soon it was infectious. And many of the Garo nation started following Jesus. But see, this was a problem because the chief was very upset. He was so upset that he he brought the man and his family before him. And he said, if you don't renounce this faith, you will be executed. Of which the man's reply was, I have decided to follow Jesus. So now the chief is enraged. And he doesn't kill the man. He kills his two children. Bow and arrows. And as they're twitching on the floor, dying, he says, now, now will you renounce your faith? If you don't renounce your faith, I will take the life of your wife. And the man said, though no one joins me, 
I still will follow. So they execute his wife. The chief can't hardly believe this. He said, this is your last chance. This is your last chance. If you do not renounce your faith in this Jesus you've been talking about, you are going to be executed. One more opportunity. So the man responds with this phrase. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Tragically, the chief went through with his threat and he kills the man. Now the entire family is gone. But almost immediately, the chief was moved and he said to himself, how in the world can this man believe in something so much that he gave up his family and his own life for it? So he declares, I too belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, they too believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Today, almost 150 years later, 95% of the, native Amer the natives of Amman, India, the Garros, believe in Jesus. 95%. So if you haven't picked up at it already, the last words of this faithful Garo man from Assam, India, well, they were written down in a very familiar hymn. Let's give it a try. You can sing with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though no none with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. No turning back? No turning back to what? No turning back to the dependence of the world. A world that always disappoints. A world that was broken in the Garden of Eden. A world that's been cursed. Now, before I get in trouble, I'd like to explain that this hymn isn't about decision theology. 
He already believed in Jesus when he said, I follow Jesus. He already had Jesus in his heart. So when he faced the decision to follow Jesus or follow the world, he followed Jesus all the way to his own death. That's faith right there. A man giving up his life for Jesus. Which now brings us to our scripture reading today. Did you notice there was some significant following going on in our scripture from Matthew chapter 4 today? Let's take a look. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Two pairs of brothers, four fishermen. They had a really nice life. They were successful fishermen. Comfortable life fishing the Sea of Galilee. But they didn't hesitate to follow Jesus. Immediately, immediately, they followed, the G- they followed Jesus. The Spirit was strong on them that fateful day, and I say fateful day because they too, three of the four of those new disciples would have a fate similar to the man of Assam, India, the Garo man. The following verse of our gospel reading reveals more following, but a different type of following. Here goes. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus moved his ministry north, away from the trouble, at least temporarily. It is here where he really begins his ministry in earnest, and he's choosing his disciples. But as we see in verse 25, not just crowds, but great crowds followed him. And they were not just from Galilee. People came from all around. Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. In some cases, people traveled 100 miles. Now, can you imagine walking from Fremont to Grand Island just to see someone like Jesus? That's what they did. 
and not just a few, great crowds. So why follow him? Why follow him such great distances? It would have been, it'd been a long walk. Well, the answer is in the text. Two weeks ago, we had a little ninth grade grammar lesson. Do you remember what that lesson was on? It begins with I. It's one of the three verbals. Anybody? Infinitives. Thank you, Mr. W. So there are three verbals. There are infinitives, there are participles, and there are gerunds. And we're going to talk about gerunds today, not infinitives. Gerunds, if we take a look, they are verbs plus ing, but they function like a noun. This would be an example. Walking is good exercise. Now you look at walking, you go, well, that's a verb. No, it's not. Not in this case. Walking is the subject of the sentence. It is a thing. Walking is a noun. So without looking at the text, opening your Bibles, let's see if you can figure out the three gerunds that were used in verse 23. Anyone want to shout one out? Following is not, that's the verb. We're really following. But thanks for playing. The first one begins with T. Anybody? What was Jesus doing? Teaching. Okay. Teaching's one. The next one begins with P, but it's not preaching, but it's kind of like preaching. Close. Did I hear proclaiming? You're sitting by your dad. <laughs> proclaiming. Proclaiming. There's your second one. What's the third one? The third one begins with H. You'll get this one. Healing. Let's take a look. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Teaching the word of God, proclaiming the gospel, healing every disease and affliction. Wow! Like the words of the hymn we just sang said, there was no turning back now. No turning back. His ministry was in full motion. The cross was before him. The world was behind him. No turning back. No turning back. So Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they followed Jesus because they trusted Jesus. But what about the great crowds? The great crowds followed Jesus because they were curious, they were excited, and some of them, I'm sure, thought that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Martin Luther himself understood following Jesus and what it meant. In his own way, in his own words, he knew, similar to the disciples, similar to the man from Assam, India, when things were getting serious between Luther and the world, well, he followed Jesus. And he stood up and he said these famous words, my conscience is captive to the word of God. 
Thus I cannot and will not recant, because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. And here comes his famous words, Here I stand, I can do no other. In other words, Here I follow Jesus and no other. God help me. And he finishes it off by saying, God help me, because that was a death sentence. Just 100 years before this, before Luther said this, a man by the name of John Hess, who was preaching and teaching the same exact message that Martin Luther was preaching, he was burned at the stake. So thankfully, Martin Luther's friends got involved, for some of you who know the story, and they kidnapped him and saved him from himself, and he lived in a castle for three years and grew a big old beard, and no one could even recognize him. And then he kept on. Standing on the promises of Jesus according to the Scriptures was a virtual death sentence for Luther. So this has all been very interesting, don't you think? But... It's not just interesting, it's not just fascinating. Jesus didn't come to be fascinating or interesting. Jesus came on a business trip. This is serious business. He came to reveal that he is the way, the only way to be saved, to be redeemed, to be made new again, just like Paul described to us two weeks ago in Romans. Let's review that. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. This is the promise. This is the greatest promise ever given. And it's a promise for all of us. It's a promise we receive when we follow Jesus when we trust in his promises. So now comes the challenging question of the morning. Are you following Jesus or are you following the world? Ouch, right? Depends on the day. Depends on the hour. Sometimes it even depends on the minute. Depends if it's convenient or not to follow Jesus. Depends if it's not convenient to follow Jesus. But you see, it's not about our own reason and strength. Sin has too big a grip on us. We need help. And God sent help. His name is the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we are able to follow Jesus and imitate Christ. Luther tells us in his explanation in the third article of the Apostles' Creed, it's powerful. Let's read it together. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth 
and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. So the Holy Spirit is the answer? Yes, he is. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. Our faith grows through hearing and reading the word. But it can't be that simple, can it? Yes, it can. And yes, it is. In a few weeks, we're going to be starting something called the 40-Day Forgiveness Challenge. It is going to be an opportunity for us as a congregation, as a, as a fellowship of believers, to dig in to God's word together. What an opportunity. The books are going to be ordered this week, I've been told. And there's a book for everybody. It's also an opportunity for the life groups to meet weekly and go through the forgiveness challenge. We've done that with, with the red letter challenge about three years ago already. And then we had the being challenge, and then we had COVID challenge. And now we have the forgiveness challenge. We're going to be doing this during Lent, and Lent's around the corner, February If you're not part of a life group, talk to me. We'll get you hooked up. If you don't want to talk to me, you can sign up in the back afterwards. Maybe this is your opportunity to join a life group. I can promise you, if I could get anyone up here who's in a life group, they would say, do it. Sherry, would you say do it? Tara, would you say do it? But you don't have to wait 40 days to get in the Word of God. Can you carve some time out on a daily basis to be in the Word? That's how the Spirit sanctifies you and keeps you holy. If you're not in a Bible study, can you think of one you could start participating in? It doesn't have to be a trinity. If you're not sure about a Bible study that exists for you, let Pastor Gerber and I know, I promise you, we can find one. Paul, I know you're in an awesome Bible study. It's not a trinity, but you're in the Word of God. The Spirit is speaking to you every week. Regardless, the Spirit will undoubtedly convict us when we hear the Word or read the Word. It will be crystal clear that we all fall short when it comes to following Jesus, but it will also be perfectly clear that the Word, who is Jesus, picks up the slack in the line so that we can't make the line that we can't make tight on our own. Paul reminds us of this in Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All fall short. You and me. But we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, following Jesus isn't always easy, it's actually quite challenging. Jesus told us so. 
But he also told us that he has overcome the world so we can take heart when the world seems to be closing in on us. Take a look what Jesus said in John 16. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yes, take heart. Jesus has already overcome the world that tugs and pulls, tugs and pulls on us on a daily basis to pull us off the truth, the path that Jesus wants you to follow. You're going to stray off his path. Jesus knows this. It's why he came to teach, he came to proclaim, he came to heal. It's why he came to suffer. It's why he came to die. It's why he came to rise again. He forgives you daily. The cross before you, the world behind you, no turning back, no turning back. May God call you and gather you and lighten you and sanctify you as you follow Jesus. And in his, in his name we pray, amen.